0: Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in.
1: Now let's talk Tantra. excited to be here with you today sharing some expansive wisdom, but before we get into the juice, I'd like to take this opportunity to share with you a new offering, Turned On By Life. This is a self-paced online course to take you from wanting, wishing, and waiting to Turned On By Life Itself. We use the Kundalini Chakra system as a roadmap to create a tantric lifestyle, exploring spiritual intimacy, embodiment, pleasure, mindset, and artistic expression. This course encourages you to dismantle limiting beliefs and societal conditionings, empowering you to reclaim the most powerful creative force in your body, your sexual energy. You're going to be harnessing this inner power for a pleasure-filled life that feels so juicy, you're left overflowing with purposeful desire. Super yummy. Hope to see you in there. This is a self-paced course, but there are opportunities to upgrade to work with me one to one as well at a discounted rate and at a shorter period than some of my other containers. So for more on this course and other ways to work with me, visit www.talktantra2me.com and then click the work with me tab. And also, if this podcast resonates with you, I have a huge ask. Please let me know in the reviews, in the comments. It means the world to me to hear your perspective and your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, i love it if you screenshotted this podcast, this episode, and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. Now, let's get into the episode.
0: Welcome to Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. Today, I talk Tantra with Danelle Barber-Randall. She is a women's integrative health coach. I am so grateful for her content and so appreciative that she's here on the podcast to offer her perspective on living an expansive life. So thank you for being here, Danelle. Why don't you start by telling us a bit about your journey with becoming a women's integrative health coach? How did you discover this passion and purpose?
2: Mm, yeah. Thank you, first of all, for having me. It's an honor to be able to, to share my voice and my story with your community. So, you know, I never thought I wanted to be a women's integrative health coach. It wasn't something that I strove to be as a child or a teenager, even in college years. It's, mm-hmm. it's never something I thought of as a potential, but, you know, just like most people who end up in this field, uh, I became inspired just through my own healing journey. I mean, I'm sure that's a very common story, but, you know, I experienced a lot of gynecological reproductive and just pelvic unwellness and trauma and just like, I don't want to say disease, but dis-ease, just like really not feeling good about my, 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 Pelvis, my female Mm -hmm. pelvic bowl period. I had diagnoses. I um, experienced a lot of sexual negative experiences, which I'm sure many of us women can relate to. And so, through my own personal healing journey in my late teens, early twenties, going into like my late twenties, basically the entirety of my healing focused on my pelvis, and as I you know, moved through multiple dark nights of the souls and entering into my Saturn return, it was all women's health focused, women's wellness focused for my own body. I didn't have issues with any other part of my body, but here. And so as I ended up moving through these diagnoses and issues and traumas and really healing on multiple levels of my being. I was in graduate school for integrative health studies, and I got my master's in integrative health studies and was um, trained as an integrative health coach. And after I graduated, you know, we were kind of encouraged to find a niche, like Who do you actually want to coach for? You know, some of my colleagues went to work with people with diabetes. Some people worked with like in the mental health field or, you know, chronic disease or even gerontology, which is, um, you know, older folks, um, the elders. And, you know, when I really felt into who did I want to serve, it was like, I want to be the person that I deeply needed for the 10 years that I went through a pretty profound darkness when it came to my pelvic well-being, my female anatomy, my Mm -hmm. pelvic bowl, my cervix. Uh, And so that's when I decided to basically devote my entire existence to supporting women, particularly around cervical health, particularly around abnormal pap smears, HPV, cervical dysplasia. But really my practice and my teachings are for all women are for all of us to remember and reclaim and reintegrate back into the depths of our pelvis. And, um, you know, it's a, It's a powerful journey for us to choose to go on. I know it was for me. It changed Mm -hmm. everything in my life. And that's um, why I've chosen this to be my career and my path of service in this life.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely resonate with this feeling of transforming the mess into the message or the pain into the purpose. And it's so beautiful to see how that has impacted so many people with sharing your story and just creating evidence of another way of approaching this mysterious place that is (laughs) the female pelvic bowl. I mean, even for myself, I feel very, you know comfortable with this region and still like I feel like there's a lot of mystery specifically around the cervix which is a place that you do a lot of um, healing work around from my understanding and maybe just to lay the foundation can we talk a little bit more about like what is the cervix physically what does it represent energetically do you mind speaking into that a little bit
2: yes I would love to it's my pleasure to speak about the cervix because this really is I believe the the missing link in many of our embodiment practices and much of our like like connection to who we are is the cervix. So for those of you who don't know, which if you don't know, that's okay. Many of us do not know what the cervix is. doesn't matter if we've been living in a female body for 50 years. I've had clients who were like in their 60s and like to know, I had no idea what the cervix was. So the cervix is actually a part of the uterus. So like the the organ of the uterus, if you envision it like an upside down Mm pear, just kind of like upside down, the cervix is the bottom portion. It's actually called the neck of the uterus. But the the part of the cervix that I work with in my work uh, is called the face of the cervix. And that's the part of the cervix that's exposed in the vaginal canal. So anytime that we've been deeply penetrated and like, Hit the end, or you can't go any further. Like you're actually nudging up against the face of the cervix. So the cervix is a special part of the uterus in that she's very dynamic. So the cervix is pretty thick. The neck of the uterus um, it's about two to three inches thick because during labor, childbirth, the cervix is what flattens and effaces, opens up for. The baby to be birthed through but the face of the cervix the part of the cervix that i tend to work with the most is the place that is like a, a bridge between the outer world of our you mm. know lived reality and our inner world like inside of our body inside of our female pelvis and i'm sure your listeners and given the type of work that you do, you understand like the, the the sacredness of Mm. the womb and like inside of the female pelvis. And so the cervix is actually like this doorway in between. I like to think of it as like an interdimensional portal, actually, the cervix, the oak, the cervical Oz, which is also called the mouth of the cervix or the cervical canal um, is like this sacred portal between Mm. the inner world of our body and the outer world of our existence so cervix has a face cervix has a mouth which i say this as often as i can because it's so important i think cervix is just you like your face and your mouth just down below and so What that means is that the face of our cervix and being connected to this place, like dropped in and deeply embodied to the very depths of our pelvic bowl to the bottom of cervix is that we can actually connect to not only the wisdom and intelligence of our whole body, but the wisdom and intelligence of this interface between the outer world and their inner world. And Mm so cervix has many, many nerve endings. There are actually five different nerve pairs. So if like cervix is like a little circle, Mm -hmm. there are five different pairs of nerves that innervate the face of the cervix. One of them being the vagus nerve, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most important nerves in our body that interconnects all of our major organs. So when we are connected to cervix, and we work with cervix and we just bring our mind to cervix and we touch cervix and we just like are in relationship with this place. We are actually in relationship with the intelligence of our entire body. And there's so much information there. However, for many of us, we have so much pain and trauma or gynecological trauma or birth trauma that leaves us disembodied from this place. One thing that I like to liken the cervix is it's like the record keeper of our body. So Mm -hmm. if you think about like the pelvic bowl being like a bowl and say the bowl is like filled up with liquid and you sprinkle stuff into the bowl, all of the heavy stuff is going to sink to the bottom and like land in the bottom center of the bowl, right? Well, that's where cervix is. Like cervix is where this density accumulates. And so, you know, I work with women with abnormal pap smears primarily. I mean, that's where most women find my work. But I work with women of all different, you know, pelvic experiences. But with abnormal pap smears, what is happening is it's called cervical dysplasia, which is just a fancy way to say abnormal cells on the cervix. And it's right around, it usually starts to manifest right around the mouth or the cervical oz of the cervix. And then it like fans out and becomes worse as it kind of like grows over the face of the cervix. So the way that I approach that is like, okay, the mouth of the cervix is trying to communicate to us that there is some density Mm. that needs to be addressed. And the message is going to get louder and louder and worse and worse until we actually listen to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we with female anatomy choose to mm-hmm. connect to our cervix, we are choosing to actually connect with our entire body and how our body interacts with the world because again cervix is a sacred portal between the inner and outer world and so cervix is very multidimensional it is like constantly mind blowing to me what happens for women in their life when they choose to do this work and um yeah i'm ha- i want to give you a chance
0: to respond i'm happy to keep going but i would Love to give you an opportunity to. Ah, oh, so much good stuff there, though. Especially, I loved feeling into the cervix as this door. Like, at first, I was thinking gate, like a gate. And then I feel that door is more accurate. Like, the entry to the vaginal canal is maybe the gate. And then it's like walking up the front path. And then there's this door into like a whole other reality. Um, into the cosmos where the spirits come through. So that's really beautiful. Thank you. And you started to get into this idea of the cervical healing journey. And I feel like that's, you know, the, the natural inclination where we continue and would love to go into, you know, when and why do women need to go on this route? Is it really, you know, a diagnosis that creates this path? Or is it something that women can be working towards already? Yeah would love to, to go into that.
2: Yeah. Well, that's actually a great question. Um, you know, personally, I think that all of us, like start, if we were not like initiated as teenagers into being embodied in our female body by like wise women, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I bet, well, most of us, <laughs> right. I bet it's the most next generation, of us, right. Right, right. The people, you know, the children today are going to be blessed with that. But I bet most of us have some density that needs to be addressed and Mm. and looked at. And this density can even be like maternal lineage wounding, mother wound, mother wound um, experiencing. But most women that I work with come to me because they have a diagnosis. And, you know, that's how I got on this path. If it wasn't for having had abnormal pap smears, I had seven years of abnormal pap smears. I had like the highest grade of cervical dysplasia, which is considered a pre-cancerous condition. And so there was like this urgency within me to figure out what was happening. And, you know, I think that that doesn't have to be so, you know, I work also, there are many other women who come into my programs or, um, who I've had consultations with, or who I've worked with one on one for mm-hmm. longer containers who don't have diagnoses, and they just they like Danelle, i'm i'm I feel like I need to get to know this place more, like I feel blocked to my cervix or like I've had women tell me like I can like feel some like humming or buzzing there, and I don't mm-hmm. know what this is about, and so you know the sh- long long answer shortened is that you don't have to have a diagnosis at all. In fact, I think that once you reach the point of a diagnosis, that's kind of like the siren going off being like, warning, warning, like we have to check this out because there's a lot being held within the body, within the nervous system, with the way that we're living, you know, lifestyle and how, like how we are acting in the world, but also, attributes to these diagnoses. It's not just about trauma and like internal feelings, it's also like how are we treating our body? How are we behaving? What um am I doing with my life force? What am I doing with my time? Am I actually living a life that is truthful to me? Am I actually being who I actually am? Because remember it's like the bridge between the inner and outer world. So yeah. if we're not living a life of integrity, cervix will get upset with that. Um, So, you know, for the women who do start to work with me with the diagnosis, it's usually like, okay, I'm at a a fork in the road and I have to decide if I'm going to choose to listen to cervix or not. Am I going to go the route of hysterectomy? Am I going to go the route of like just removing everything so I don't have to listen and basically kill the messenger. But it doesn't have to be that way. Like if you have a cervix, or even if you've already had a hysterectomy and you're like, oh shoot, I missed my chance. No, actually, body always remembers cervix. It's like encoded in the template of our DNA. Just because the organ isn't there physically doesn't mean that like it's like evaporated and gone. Like you can still work with the energy of cervix. So For all of you listening right now, if you're like, oh my gosh, I think I might wanna work with cervix, I encourage you to follow that because you might be preventing yourself from ever having any issues. You might be preventing yourself from having pelvic unwellness. And if you do have pelvic unwellness, let this be an invitation that, hey, maybe actually cervix is calling you to connect and she has a message for you that mouth the face and the mouth of cervix is saying, I have something to tell you. Mm-hmm. And we can choose to listen to that. And cervix always has something to tell us. Trust me. It's I'm seven years free of having a diagnosis and I still work with cervix and I'm still just like floored with, with just like the internal insight and like, like the revelations that come up. It's pretty amazing what happens when we, to be in relationship with this part of our body.
0: Yes, I love that word relationship, this um, dedication, devotion to honoring and coming home to that space. And it is, I mean, because it's not external, it's so deep within us. It's something that I've found my relationship to my pelvic health has uh benefited from working with my intuition and being in a relationship with my body even though you know I might not experience any really obvious things off it's the intuitive relationship and that's I recently had you know a diagnosis and it I wasn't really experiencing anything too off but it was my intuition that had me go in to the doctor and when I went in I hate going to the gynecologist you're not alone. <laughs> so much fear. Uh, I was due to go. It had been three years. So I needed to probably do a pap and all the things needed, quote unquote. Um, And, you know, I had my diagnosis. There's a whole other podcast episode that people can listen to if they're interested in that story. But um there was so much like fear. And I was told I was going to need surgery immediately. And just like, I, I intuitively also knew that that wasn't my path. I knew that there was another opportunity for me. I didn't feel like I was available for that path. And so I went on kind of my own holistic journey, but I'm curious if you have any like advice or suggestion for individuals that do receive, um, an unsettling diagnosis from either a gynecologist or another wellness professional
2: yeah yeah I'm so glad you you asked this question. I don't get asked this question much at all on podcasts, and I feel like it's it's an important thing to speak about because you know what I find with most of us if we're not aware or we practice you know self awareness or just like embodiment of any kind is oftentimes people, women will get a diagnosis and they just like shoot out of their body and they're immediately in a fear state. And then they'll just like follow blindly whatever is being offered to them by the practitioner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in some way, I think that's intentional. There's like some pretty dark history about modern gynecology and like just some deceptive ways that the way it's set up and like the white coat and the way doctor's offices are set up to kind of put you into a trance state and being on your back with the stirrups, like Mm. it puts us in a very vulnerable, disempowered state. And so, you know, if anyone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I wouldn't have had like this procedure, Jen, just know that it's not your fault. Like you weren't given an opportunity to like be in an empowered state. So to answer your question for those of us who receive a diagnosis and we can feel ourselves going into that fear state, the first thing I recommend is to never make any decision regarding treatment that day or even that week, because unless we're practice and we're like, okay, I know I'm going to like be centered no matter what happens, like have to give our nervous system an opportunity to regulate once more so we can think clearly. Um, because when we are in that fight flight situation, like all of our blood goes into our internal organs and like, it's not in our brain, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's trying to get us to run away. So the first thing is just to like, You know, if you're in the office and you receive the diagnosis or they say something scary to you, like have the emotions that you need to have, like let them flow. You can like cry or whatever you need to do. But if they ask you, do you want to schedule X, Y, Z treatment? What I invite my clients to do is just say, "Mm, Thank you. I'm actually going to process this information and I will call your office to schedule when I'm ready. And you do have to be prepared that they might push you. They might bully you. They might try to scare you. I mean, that happened to me a lot. I got bullied so much. I was mm. shamed into like people they were trying to shame me into having some treatments done on my cervix and um, you know, if this is about reclaiming like your energy field, like coming back into the center of your body and just being like, no, thank you. I'm going to call when I'm ready. And then the next thing to do is to gather as much information as you can about what the diagnosis is, what it means, look up stories of people who have healed it naturally if you are offered a treatment, do research about that treatment. Look at the side effects. Look at like six months, 12 months down the line, what are people saying this treatment has, has done to them or like what is their experience? And um, Because one thing in particularly allopathic gynecology is they don't really ever tell you the negative side effects of these things. I mean, it's it's pretty startling actually what they say is okay for women's bodies when it's <laughs> really not at all, actually.
1: Oh.
2: So can you relate? <laughs> yeah. So just like really do your due diligence and research, like ask questions. Mm. If you need to even ask questions of your practitioner and be like, hey, I read this, what do you have to say about this? Like vet them like the, the really important thing to remember is that they are working for you you are hiring them you are not at their whim you know mm-hmm. um you are paying them for their services which means you are in charge and a lot of women do not realize this cuz we're never told and so a big part of my like advocacy is to remind everybody like hey these practitioners you are their client which means you direct what happens you get to decide just because someone says oh you have to do this and i actually had one doctor tell me like well we have to schedule it soon because i'm going to be gone on a trip and i want to do it beforehand i'm like i don't care that you're not going to be here like Yeah, that doesn't matter at all. So yeah, recalibrate your nervous system. Don't say yes to anything immediately. Do your research, ask questions, talk to people, you know, book consultations, get a second opinion. That's another thing I really recommend women to do when they get diagnoses that are scary, um, is to actually go get a second opinion because these diagnostic tests and exams and things, they are not 100%. One thing I also like to remind people is that it's a medical practice and not a medical knowing. Yeah. And allopathy does not have everything locked down at all. I mean, they're always coming up like, oh, hey, we were doing this for so long and that wasn't actually a good thing. So get a second opinion and I've had clients in the past who went and got a second opinion, and it was like a completely different diagnosis. Wow. And I was like, well, maybe you need a third opinion to see what's happening in the middle there. Um, because the female pelvis is very dynamic, it's always like every day, depending on our hormones, depending on even like our emotions or our state of stress. Mm-hmm. Things can be different. Like cysts can be different sizes. Fibroids can be different. Like dysplasia can go and come away. It's like it's a very interesting dynamic thing happening down there. And so, you know, these diagnostic tools and these tests—they're just like a snapshot in time. And so, you know, to know that nothing is permanent, and if you get a second opinion, and it might be different. And if it's not different, then you have that information. Okay. Then you can do some research. Then you can look at the treatments that they're offered. And you know, I'm not here to say that no treatment is ever good for any woman. Like some women, they want it and it feels good for them to get that done and they feel empowered doing it. And I support them in that. I'm like, great. If you feel like this is the best choice for you, I support you in that. Yeah. What I what I don't support is women being in a fear state and saying yes to something they actually don't know anything about. And then afterwards being like, what have I done? So I hope that offers your listeners some like guiding steps.
0: Yeah. It even feels calming for my nervous system to receive that. So thank you for just, uh, offering that permission. You know, uh, I don't feel that I've ever received that, you know, from anyone. Really, it was intuitively how I found myself in my most recent, you know, diagnosis, but it was that was not, you know, what was happening at the doctor's office for sure. Right. And I would love to invite in more of your perspective on how and why these doctors are so misinformed and so apt to not share side effects and not share because I, from my experience, my my uh, interaction with the medicine, quote unquote, in the Western medical field, specifically in gynecology, uh birth control, all the things created more problems for me than solved them. I mean, I never got pregnant, which was great, but I, I had constant issues for years. And then I obviously went off of all the things that I was on. And then it's been like healing, you know, for the same amount of time that I was on some of these medications and these contraptions inside of me. So to get back to the question Why are these doctors so misinformed? Why do they why aren't they sharing the effects of some of these surgeries, procedures, medicines, etc.?
2: Yeah, that's that's you have some good questions. That's Mm -hmm. a really good question. And you know, to preface, I just wanna say that all doctors do take a Hippocratic oath, which is to do no harm. And so It's not like they're maliciously being like, I'm not going to tell them about this, you know, (laughs) it's like, this is just the way they have been trained. And allopathy is very uh, logical and linear in the way that they do things. And they do not take bio-individuality, which is like everybody's unique body has like a different biochemistry, has different bacteria colonies, like different things happening inside of it not to mention also everybody's unique lived experience. Like how have you been eating your whole life? What has your movement been like your whole life? Like what has been your like trauma level your whole life? Like they don't take into consideration any of that. And that's not their fault. It's just in the medical system, I mean, in the schooling system for medical school, they just simply aren't taught or informed this. I was actually speaking to a medical doctor. They weren't a gynecologist, um, a medical, do- they're, they are an MD, but they don't practice as an MD anymore. They go more of like a holistic healing route, but they were telling me that basically their whole schooling four years in medical school school was just memorizing diagnoses and the treatments that go along with them. Mm. So It's just like, oh, if you're showing this symptom plus this symptom, then that leads to this diagnosis and then like an arrow, this treatment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like A plus B equals C, which then goes to D. And that's just how they approach everybody and everything. Unless you find a very special doctor. Like I know some of the more younger medical doctors that are coming out, maybe in like mid to late when they're in their mid to late 20s or early 30s they're having a more conscious approach i have met some gynecologists that are like yeah like let's talk about nutrition and like let's talk about your sexual wellness but mm. most medical doctors are just trained in this way of thinking about the body now a little piece of history about allopathy is that it's actually the medicine of dead people and what I mean by that is, the entire system of allopathic medicine was founded uh, in the mid 1800s by studying cadavers, mm. so dead people. You know, you might have heard, like, in your history class about how they would like take bodies from the graveyard and do like um, anatomy. They would like cut them open and have like, they would see what was happening inside the bodies. So, you know. They, When they were designing this way of medicine, they were looking at dead bodies and they're like, oh, there's the liver. Oh, there are the lungs. Okay, here's the uterus. And so because there was no life force in the body, there was no way to see that there was like an interconnection Mm. between all of the body parts. That's why it has a reductionist view of the body, meaning, oh, like, let's look at the smallest part. And address that. So it's like, oh, you have abnormal cells on your cervix. Well, let's just cut it off instead of noticing, instead of like thinking and realizing that, oh, these abnormal cells are actually associated with like the vascular system and the blood flow and connected to the nervous system and all the nerves and, oh, the immune system and HPV affecting this, you know. So they're the, the foundation of this medical system doesn't include life force at all, which is like really startling. And then the second piece, I'm a historian. Before I got into health, I actually got my bachelor's in history. So I, I think history is really important just to get an understanding. The second piece I want to mention is why it's not doctor's fault is actually in the beginning of the 20th century in the early 1900s, there was like an intentional push to eliminate all alternative and holistic healing methods like homeopathy or um, even like chiropractic and like herbalism and whatnot, to replace it all with petroleum-based medicine, which is pharmaceuticals. And money. (laughs) And money, exactly. So, you know, these doctors, they just kind of like they they go into this practice wanting to do good, but it's the Western medical system and what it's founded upon that just makes it so it doesn't really help us. And I mean, I have more information about the history of gynecology and like how it's literally been created to be disempowering for females, for women. I mean, like the whole modern gynecology was founded upon studying enslaved African women against their will. And so there was like no under no consideration for pain management or thinking like this will harm them, harm women's bodies. Like it's, it's dark. It's very, very dark. So yeah, it's unfortunately a broken thing. And it's sad that that's really one of our only options that like insurance pays for. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the more of us that come to these appointments demanding a different way, like they have to start thinking about things differently. I would hope so at least like if if we are the loud voices we can I'm envisioning we can hopefully change the course. otherwise, I'll just t-
0: stop going to them, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean. We get to be evidence, right? We get to be evidence of a different way of doing it. And first of all, deeply appreciate your perspective and the historical background and all of that. I feel that so many individuals are resistant to the more um, holistic or Eastern paths because they believe that there is not, you know, science or history to back it up. And there is. And uh, it's really beautiful to have that perspective. And I can see that being, you know, a whole other beautiful conversation. Uh, And I think it's also important to recognize this aspect of they're trying to get people in and out. I mean, like when I go to the gynecologist, it's an hour sitting in their waiting room, 15 minutes with the doctor and then I'm out and I have the diagnosis and, you know, that's it. Whereas when I go to my homeopath, I'm there with her for 75 minutes, you know, and it's really like asking all of the questions and getting the the full panel. So definitely Mm -hmm. just want to offer that as, as an opportunity and obviously your services as well, which, um, I love. Watching you and seeing, following your journey on your stories and like your gardening and like brothing and supplements. And you just have it and it's so beautiful and inspiring. And I'm curious if you have any. Obviously, everyone's different. As you said, we're all, you know, biodynamic. Was that the word that you used? Bio individuality. Bio individual. We're all bio individual. Um, at the same time, is there are there some things that we can collectively be investing in in terms of physically supporting our pelvic or pelvis and cervix
2: yeah so i've actually been thinking about this a lot lately cuz i'm like okay how can i what is like a really easy way to like share what's important and i like have two words like simple wholeness so what i mean by that like simple whole foods so like like we don't need to have like fancy food products. We don't need to have like even like fancy meals or anything, just like a protein and like a carb and like a vegetable, you know, just like simple. Like I really feel like our we in our bodies, our body actually works better with simple foods, mm-hmm. um, you know, mono diets. That's why they work well for some people or just having um, like like simple also being like, how, how um, far away are you from your food system? Like, do you have a relationship with your farmer? Do you go to the farmer's market? Do you grow your own food? Or do you go to, you know, Costco, which I go to Costco sometimes too. I'm not like shaming anybody here, but like where maybe that food came from like 2000 miles away and got shipped around the country five different ways mm-hmm. to then be packaged into plastic to then like end up in your refrigerator so like how can we like simplify and bring more wholeness to what we are consuming and also what we are doing for us women I think we do too much like we are trying to be too many things we are trying to do too much in our life whereas our physiology we are meant to actually rest a lot more we are meant to just do more like simple homey tasks in a way I mean I run a business like I have like I do all these things too but I noticed that the less I tried to do in my life the healthier my pelvis became Mm. because you know we live in a culture that is very masculine like it's like a you know, nine to five grind and like we have to be productive all the time and we have to like show our worth by the money we make and by our productivity. But that's not how female physiology works. We are actually, you know, with it's called the infradian system, which is our hormonal cycle. Every, you know, 28 to 32 days, we go through different phases with different energy amounts within our system and we have like different things that our body wants to do every single week. And so if we can just focus on the simplicity and the wholeness of what our body wants us to do 9 times out of 10 that looks like doing less. Yeah. In our life, we will actually like our body will just like naturally heal. And one of my favorite phrases that I use with my clients is simplify to amplify. Mm -hmm. so we don't have to have 10 different practices, we don't have to have a crazy complicated diet that we need to buy like 100 different ingredients for, unless you like to cook and unless you like to explore, but some people don't want to do that, we don't have to be doing 15 major projects while also trying to keep our house and have a relationship and friends and all this, like I know it's hard. It was hard for me to whittle down my life because um, you know I'm an extrovert and I like to do things. But when I simplified my life, amplified my health, amplified my wellness, amplified my vitality, my path of service. You know, people are like, "So you work with the cervix and abnormal with Pap smears?" I'm like. Yes, I'm not just a general integrative health coach. I'm like this. I'm simplified and amplified, mm-hmm. and um, I have noticed that it, that concept simplification and bringing more wholeness to what we are doing and what we are incorporating into our life has not only helped my life immensely. It's changed it. It's gone. I've gone like a 180, um, but also my
0: clients too,
2: and. Yeah. So I hope that makes sense. Does that all make
0: sense? Was I making sense? You totally make sense. Permission granted to do less. I love it. (laughs) That's what I got from it. That's what I got from it. And just this wholeness, listening to your body. The other thing that I love that you talk, it's so simple, wearing socks. Can you speak into that briefly? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God.
2: (laughs) It's so funny how people love that. So I actually learned this from, in San Francisco, in Chinatown, I went to a tea house, mm. and there was like this like old Chinese man that was serving us tea, and he was telling me, he's like, you know, as a woman, you need to always wear socks around the house because your womb will get cold. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I went and looked it up, and in traditional Chinese medicine, actually the, merid- the meridians that goes from the foot to the womb is right on the bottom of the feet. Ah. So basically if your feet are cold, that means your womb is cold and the womb is in traditional Chinese medicine, like a fire organ. It's supposed to be warm. It's like a cauldron, you know, boiling, you know, with the blood and potential, like maybe it'll be a baby, maybe it'll be creativity, you know, it's just like brewing the fire in our pelvis. So when you know, now, I mean, it's even in the summertime, but I have hardwood floors and tile and stuff, and I yeah. still wear little booties or, like, a s- socks on my feet. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, like, five years or so, and I, it's changed a lot. It's actually mm. fascinating how much it, I, I feel like my womb and my pelvis have just been happier. And so now I share that whenever I can. I'm like, ladies, wear your socks in the house. Don't let your feet get cold. Um, so that's like, yeah, a little easy hot tip that I learned from a old Chinese
0: man in Chinatown. I love it. And sometimes it's those like really simple things that like putting on socks is so doable and it makes me feel so good that I like did something good for my body. Oh, so do you wear socks around the house now too? I do. I do. I mean, I tend to have like um, pretty chilly feet. I don't know if it's circulation. Maybe my womb just needs that support. Who knows? But it's definitely something that I saw via your content and thought, yeah, I'm going to wear socks now (laughs) all the time.
2: (laughs) It's so funny. My husband's like, well, no, it's summertime. Why are you wearing socks? I'm like, this is from my womb. Okay. You don't even have to think about this. So don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And on that note, I feel that we're starting to get complete. I would love to know where listeners can find you or support you. But if you have anything yeah. else you'd like to add before we wrap up last couple of questions.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really just invite women just to even start to begin to bring their mind down to their cervix. Like what even how does it even feel in their body to consider thinking about their cervix to like, what is it like to even start to think about maybe putting their fingers inside of themselves to touch their cervix? Mm. Like what bring, what comes up from that within their heart, within their body? Cause that's usually, Oh, that's stuff I need to work on. That's like that. I mean, I've had women tell me they get nauseous that they like, get freaked out and when like, okay, well this is actually a good thing because that means there's stuff to work with. So I really encourage all of us to just spend some time with our hands on our womb and just like, like bringing our mind down to cervix and like envisioning spaciousness and like relaxation there Mm -hmm. and just being there for a few minutes and just like notice what comes up. Um, Yeah, that's really what I want to leave uh, for your listeners. And also that you are in charge of your body. You are the number one person for your body. And so anytime you go to a doctor or a practitioner or anybody, if there's anything that you don't feel 100% certain about for your body, like you are more than willing, I mean, you're more than worthy to take as much time as you need, even if there is like this urgency placed upon you yeah. it's not your urgency you don't have to accept it um so those are my thoughts for that would you like me to share now where you can that yes, I can find you me do. Thank you. yes awesome so my website is cervicalwellness.com I have lots of resources and different programs and things that you can explore there I also have a book it's called informed, aware, empowered, a self-guided journey to clear paps. And that's really a beautiful, just like beginning resource for um, women. If you have abnormal pap smears or if you want to learn about the cervix a little more, like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to have abnormal pap smears to, to become informed aware and empowered about your cervix. And then I am on Instagram. It's like my favorite social media platform. So I'm there on stories. I make posts, all those things. And you should come find me there.
0: Beautiful. Amazing. And last bonus question that I ask all my guests. What awakens your arrows? What turns you on? What makes you feel erotically alive?
2: Mm, So honestly, being in like deep nature, there's something about like being in like the deep forest at like a waterfall or like... Like, even, I don't know, like, I was in Hawaii, and there was, like, nobody on the beach. I was just like, oh, I just want to get naked and, like, be all sensual on the sand. Um, yeah, there's something about the wild and nature and, like, being over the wildflowers or trees or moss. I don't know. There's something about, like, Mother Earth <laughs> and Father Son when they're together and I'm out there that um, just really awakens my arrows full on i'm like come on husband let's go for a hike I love <laughs> it. yeah definitely uh, with that one mm-hmm. uh, yeah we don't want who wants to be in a box yeah yeah, yeah so yeah.
0: anyway thank you so much yeah thank you again Danelle, for joining me today and i also want to express my gratitude to the listeners thank you once So much gratitude and love. Have a sexy and spiritual day. And I'll catch you next week on Talk Tantra too.